Chapter Eight of Tom Playfair or Making a Start by Francis J. Finn, S.J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Eight, in which Tom gets into many difficulties and holds an astonishing interview with Mr. Middleton. Tom's first five or six weeks at St. Mars, like the course of true love in fable and history, did not run smooth. His troubles, some of which we have narrated, were not confined to the yard alone. They followed him into the classroom. Tom thought, like many other students, that he would pick up the class matter by easy studying. But on this point his professor did not agree with him. It must be confessed, too, that Tom was at times overbold in his manner of deporting himself in the classroom. On one occasion Mr. Middleton put himself to much trouble to explain a long and complicated sum in fractions. He went over the problem step by step in such wise that no one, not absolutely feather-brained, could fail of following the process. Mr. Middleton was the soul of earnestness in teaching, and so, at the end of half an hour's explanation, he was covered with chalk, while beads of perspiration, it was by no means a warm day, stood out upon his brow. Now, boys, he said, turning full upon the class, do you understand it all? The head of each and every boy nodded assent. Suddenly a hand went up. It was Tom's. Well, play fair? Yes, sir, said Tom soberly. Mr. Middleton was puzzled. What do you mean, play fair? I understand it, sir. Mr. Middleton smiled. There was a slight titter among the more thoughtless boys. Yet somehow Tom felt that he was out of order. He was sensible in a dim way that Mr. Middleton's smile carried a reproof with it. But the words had been spoken and were beyond recall. A day or two later Mr. Middleton was hearing recitations. Alexander Jones was called upon to answer some questions on the geography of Vermont. Jones arose, one quivering bundle of nerves, his eyebrows twitching, his knees bending under him, his lips quivering, and his fingers in a fury of motion. He grew intensely pale and gave several gasps. Mr. Middleton, with a few encouraging words, repeated the question. It's a con continent, gasped Jones. I'm afraid you didn't catch my question, said Mr. Middleton. Now don't be afraid. I'm sure you know it. Listen, what is the nature of the land? Is it rocky or mountainous or sandy or what? Poor Jones gasped again, but gave no answer. Here Tom, who knew nothing about the lesson, came bravely to the rescue. He was seated just behind Jones. It's mountainous, he whispered. It's mountainous, Jones stammered. Yes, said Mr. Milton, as if expecting more. Go on, growled Tom, and tell him it's rocky. It's rocky, repeated Jones. But even this answer did not seem to satisfy Mr. Middleton. Tell him it's sandy, continued the prompter. It's, it's sandy. But Mr. Middleton, for some unknown reason, failed to come to the rescue of a hapless boy. He still waited. Hang it, growled Tom, unwittingly speaking so loud as to be heard by the professor and the entire class. Tell him it's very mountainous, very rocky, and very sandy. It's... It's very mountainous, very rocky, and very sandy, blurted forth Jones. And as a burst of laughter saluted his remark, 
he sank back into his seat miserably conscious that he had cut a very ridiculous figure playfair after class said mr middleton sententiously i didn't do anything exclaimed tom with virtuous indignation but the professor very wisely ignored this disclaimer and continued the recitation in consequence then of bad conduct and faulty recitations it was not an uncommon sight after class to see our little friend book in hand patrolling the yard endeavoring to make up at the eleventh hour what he had failed in at the first and so naturally enough tom came gradually to imbibe a disgust for study and class-work which in the course of three or four weeks culminated in an almost entire neglect of studies tom felt in his heart that he was acting wrong but he was a thoughtless boy and his sense of responsibility was but poorly developed yet he realized with growing unhappiness that should he continue in his present courses he would soon be at the foot of the class mr middleton indeed had no trouble in divining the state of tom's mind but he resolved to wait till some favorable opportunity should present itself for turning the pupil from his ill-chosen path the opportunity soon came an incident in the yard brought it about it was a gloomy morning in early autumn tom was straggling along moodily from the refectory towards the yard when he perceived lying upon the ground two ready-made cigarettes dropped probably by one of the senior students in the rush and shock of a game of football quickly picking them up he hurried to his yard and sought harry quip tom was rather out of spirits on this morning he was totally unprepared in lessons and he looked forward with unpleasant feelings to the day's recitations there was unhappiness awaiting him in the line of duty he would seek happiness in the line of mischief he found harry without difficulty and drew him aside look here harry and tom produced the two cigarettes what do you say to a smoke hello what's up now harry exclaimed on the road here you told me you didn't care about smoking and i liked what you said first-rate yes but just for fun pleaded tom harry placed his hand affectionately on tom's shoulder and with his honest face and eyes beaming earnestness said tom old fellow i'm afraid you're going wrong just a little bit you know of course there's nothing bad about smoking but but well i ain't no philosopher but it's so anyhow this speech was incoherent enough harry had endeavored to tell the truth and at the same time spare the feelings of his partner but honest words are more than grammar and rhetoric and long long after the sympathetic face and kindly voice of harry haunted tom and helped him in the path of duty but at the moment he was in no mood to be softened he added in extenuation you see harry i've got to do something or i'll die come on and take a few puffs nixie responded harry shaking his head and grinning and i tell you what tom don't you get in with the smokers on the sly it doesn't pay seeing harry's determination to behave well tom respected it and forthwith sought in his stead an old and tried smoker john pitch you're just the fellow i want to see exclaimed john pitch enthusiastically when tom had made his proposition you see the old church building come on over to the corner between the walls of the handball alley it's a safe place now mr middleton is taking his breakfast and mr phelan has to stay in the playroom and i've got any amount of matches now resumed johnny a few seconds later when they had nestled close together in the corner unless you want to get caught 
don't blow your smoke out ahead of you so as it can be seen every time you take a puff turn your head round this way and blow it here right through this chink into the old church it's a great trick i found it out myself tom gave audible appropriation to this advice and proceeded to carry it out to the letter and for some minutes the two smoked in silence isn't it immense john at length inquired isn't it though answered tom repressing a cough say resumed john a moment later can you make the smoke come out of your nose oh that's nothing responded tom and he executed the required feat you can't inhale can you pursued john of course i can if i want to but i don't care much about it well i'll tell you what you can't do you can't talk with smoke inside of you and then blow it out after you're through talking neither can you i'll bet i can let's see you do it then exclaimed tom with increasing animation in answer to this john gravely inhaled a mouthful of smoke then said see that's the way to do the thing and blew it forth gracious but that's immense i want to learn that trick too let's see you do it again both were now absorbed tom cigarette in hand intensely eyeing john and john cigarette in mouth determined to heighten his disciples admiration john now took two or three vigorous puffs then inhaled the triple installment just at this most interesting juncture tom's quick ear caught the sound of approaching footsteps cave look out he whispered and as he spoke he dropped his cigarette by his side and crushed it under his foot but john was not so quick his lungs were still filled with smoke and his cigarette was still in his hand as mr middleton the terror of smokers turned the corner but the young rug was not without resource he and his companion as has been said were nestled together and the open pocket in tom's sailor jacket was convenient to the hand in which john was holding the cigarette there was no resisting the temptation deftly quietly he dropped the burning cigarette into the yawning pocket unconscious of this tom with his eyes full upon mr middleton was inwardly congratulating himself upon his lucky escape not so john although free of the tell-tale cigarette it could hardly be said that he was in a happy frame of mind the smoke within him imperatively demanded an outlet and there stood mr middleton confronting him with the evident intention of opening a conversation good morning boys the prefect began good morning mr middleton answered tom who aware of john's predicament was resolved to do the talking for both there is a strange smell about here continued the prefect with a peculiar smile yes sir there is returned tom gravely i wonder if there aren't some skunks in this old building some of the old fellows say there are i hardly think it a skunk but what's the matter with you johnny are you ill the question was pertinent john was now in a partial state of suffocation his eyes were bulging out of his head his mouth was closed tight and his cheeks were puffed out as though he were a cornet player executing a high and difficult note it is superfluous to add then that john returned no answer tom made an awkward attempt to divert mr middleton's attention a number of boys had just issued from the playroom tom made the most of it oh mr middleton what's that crowd of boys outside the playroom up to looks as if there's going to be a fight or something johnny you must tell me what ails you and mr middleton regardless of tom's eager remark 
fixed his penetrating eyes on john a moment of painful silence followed one moment and the victim of asphyxiation could hold it no longer a gasp and a choke and out came the smoke dear me you appear to be on fire inside remarked the prefect i guess you're pretty sick johnny put in tom becoming bolder under stress of desperation anyhow i hope it ain't catching i've been sitting alongside of he finished this interesting address with a shriek of pain as he suddenly jumped to his feet and clapped both hands to his bosom smoke was streaming from his pocket it looks as if it was catching remarked mr middleton you are on fire outside with some rubbing and slapping accompanied by a round of hopping and wriggling tom saved his jacket pocket from utter destruction then as he grew calmer he threw a reproachful eye upon john with a smile the prefect walked away leaving them to conjecture the nature and extent of their punishment during six o'clock studies that evening tom was summoned to the room of mr middleton well tom began the prefect when the culprit had presented himself how are you getting on tom became lost in the contemplation of his feet take a seat continued mr middleton indicating a chair i want to have a talk with you now my boy he resumed when tom had seated himself i have had a good chance to watch you in class and in the yard for some weeks and i have come to the conclusion that you are a very stubborn boy isn't that so yes sir said tom mildly you don't seem to mind anything i tell you day after day it's the same old story bad lessons careless exercises and then when i call you to account your manner shows that you have little or no intention of doing better do you deny that no sir answered tom beginning to feel very uncomfortable and very wicked and don't you think that a stubborn disposition is a bad thing for a little boy yes sir well i don't said mr middleton you don't exclaimed tom in surprise not entirely columbus washington st francis Xavier were in a sense stubborn men indeed i think all truly great men must have a fair share of stubbornness in their composition tom's face betrayed no less astonishment than interest columbus continued mr middleton by stubbornly clinging to one idea in spite of rebuffs and disappointment discovered a new world washington in the face of most disheartening difficulties difficulties from friends and from foes held to his purpose and created a nation if columbus had not been stubborn he would have given in and america might have been undiscovered for years and years after his death if washington had been less stubborn perhaps our country might have never achieved her freedom did you ever read the life of st francis Xavier? i don't read pious books very often sir well he was just such another man stubborn as could be when he was a young student nothing would satisfy him but to become a great philosopher so he studied away week after week year after year till he became one of the learned doctors of his age then when st ignatius converted him he became just as stubborn in converting souls to god as he had before been stubborn in acquiring philosophy nothing could convert him from his new work labor pain hunger abandonment of home and friends all were bravely endured to this end and francis Xavier became the great apostle of modern times well it seems to me mr middleton that if stubbornness were a good thing it wouldn't make a boy act wrong oh it may answered mr middleton with a smile 
if it be misused. Isn't bread a good thing? Yes, sir. But it wouldn't be good if you were to pave the streets with it. Stubbornness is good, too, but only when used the right way. Stubbornness is merely the sign of a strong will, a strong determination. If you exert your stubborn strength of will to doing what is good, you are all the better and nobler for your stubbornness. But if you exert it for a bad purpose, then you are so much the worse. And what a pity it is that boys misuse so good a gift of God. Why, my dear boy, I have known not a few college students who bent all their energies to getting off their lessons without being punished, and who with the same energy might have acquired such an education as would have reflected honor on themselves. And you too, Tom, must guard against misapplying this energy, this determination, this perseverance, this stubbornness. You see it has many names, to wrong purposes. It is a gift to you from God himself and you must show your gratitude by using the gift aright. Do you remember when Green attacked you, how steadfastly you bore his blows till you fainted? I guess I do. You were determined not to give in. Now take your lessons the same way. Don't let trouble, weariness, memory work scare you. Just hold on tight to your lessons. Never give in or yield to them. Make them yield to you. Then, indeed, you will see that your stubbornness is a gift of the good God. By the way, you intend making your first communion this year, don't you? Yes, sir. I'm awfully anxious to make it. I'm going on eleven, sir. Here the boy's lips quivered, and he caught his breath. And, and, well, whenever I think of holding communion, I, eh, uh, think of my mamma, sir. She died when I was only seven. But I remember how she was always speaking to me about my making a good first communion. While speaking these words, Tom repeatedly shifted from one foot to the other. This was his expression of strong emotion, and he had reason to be affected. For, as he spoke, the sweet, pure face of his departed mother came back vividly to his memory, and while her deep, dark, tender eyes kindled into love, her lips moved in a last prayer for the weeping child whom she strained in the dying clasp to her bosom, moved in a prayer that Mary, the virgin mother, might guide the ways of her darling son. Then the strain relaxed, the sweet eyes closed, a shadow seemed to pass over the pallid face, and as he covered the stilled features with kisses, he knew that his mamma was with God. Poor, motherless boy! Mr. Middleton was touched. From Tom's halting words and shifting of position, he had caught some glimpse of a little lad's heart. In general, said the prefect gently, a boy is a great loser if his mamma dies before he grows up. The reason often is that he forgets. But you do not forget, Tom. Sometimes I do, Mr. Middleton. I've been forgetting a heap more than I ought to. Well, Tom, I have great confidence in you. Mr. Middleton said these words in a tone so impressive, so earnest, that Tom felt more and more humbled. I haven't done anything to deserve it, sir. But you will do much to deserve it, or I am sadly mistaken in you. Now I'm going to tell you a secret, Tom, but mind you keep it to yourself. Three weeks ago I received a letter from your father in which he asked me to give him a report of you. Tom's cheeks lost their color. He said that you had given much trouble at home, that you seemed to be very thoughtless, even for your age, and that he doubted strongly about your fitness to make your first communion this year. Tom caught his breath. And he added that, unless I could assure him that you were giving perfect satisfaction, he would defer your first communion till you were twelve. 
the listener turned away his face and gazed through the open window i answered your father's letter half an hour ago oh i'm a goner then tom's expression was really pathetic listen to what i've sent him dear mr playfair in regard to your son's conduct it is too early in the year to say anything definite but from the data already afforded me by what i have seen of him in the classroom and in the playground i feel quite certain that he will develop into a thoroughly good and noble boy yours sincerely in christ francis middleton s j tom's lips quivered and a softness came into his dark eyes he made no attempt to speak the firm noble head bowed low he could have fallen at mr middleton's feet now tom i am quite sure that i have not been deceived in you perhaps i was over harsh with you at first no you weren't hang it blurted forth tom if you'd kick me once or twice i'd feel better now mr middleton held out his hand tom caught it in a fervent grasp now my boy we will forget the past take a walk in the yard for a while and think over what i have said then make your resolutions carefully and ask the blessings of the sacred heart tom departed carrying a new range of ideas in his little brain up and down the yard he paced buried in thought the seed had fallen on good ground finally going to the chapel he knelt for a long time before the tabernacle and prayed with all the earnestness of his soul that he might turn over a new leaf nor was his prayer unheard from that hour tom became a more faithful student a more earnest christian it was twelve of the night when harry quip was aroused from slumber by a hand which was shaking him in no gentle manner on opening his eyes he discerned by the dim light of the dormitory lamp tom playfair what's the matter tom i say harry isn't mr middleton a brick oh go to bed growled harry turning over and burying his face in the pillow tom complied with this sensible advice and lay awake for full three minutes building golden visions of the great day now assuredly near at hand ah if he only knew what difficulties were to arise and under what tragic circumstances he was to make his first communion i am quite sure that he would have lain awake for at least six minutes End of chapter eight recording by maria therese